2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. Are we starting the podcast now? Or? Oh, we've been on the podcast, my brother. <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Death Alive podcast. My name is Richard Young, and today's podcast is an interview with one of my favorite people, Katie Prusha. I guess I've known her as Katie Morrison, but her name is now Katie Prusha, and we get to have a conversation about her freedom. And if you haven't listened to maybe episodes, the first and second episode of this podcast, then perhaps this one will not make sense because Katie is uh, Tyler Morrison's younger sister and their story um, has, there's a lot of their story in this one. So if you haven't heard that one, it might not make sense. But at the same time, there's so much freedom in it that maybe it will make sense. Um, but uh, just wanted to uh, to tell you that, man, there's so much stuff going on with Love Reality right now. We just got back from Michigan. Oh, man, the weekend in Michigan was incredible. Uh, and then this next weekend, we're going to be in Portland, Oregon. Um so if you are hearing this on time and you're going to be in Portland uh, here at the end of April, come holler at us and just vibe with us. Um, lovereality.org. want to make sure everybody knows that all the stuff that <laughs> the, the Love Reality stuff is out there is free. It's on the internet. Just come uh, check it out and come and come vibe with us and Man, we've got some interviews and some stuff set up for this podcast coming up here in the in the near future that I think is is just going to be incredible. So, uh with that all being said, let's start the podcast. Let's buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Yo, Richard, are you about to do the podcast? Yeah, 
it's beautiful Oh my God, it's the life I was made for We do it major We do it major On my soul, Japan's got paid for Oh my God, it's the life I was made for We do it major We do it major Yeah so we're here for the real Katie story, the real Katie, the Katie Morrison story. We're going to hear about the Katie Prusha story, but first we need the Katie Morrison story. And I don't know where you want to start. I have an idea of um, what I knew about you um, from... Now it's now it's been a long time, but uh, do do you have a place where old Katie starts in your mind and the way that you operate the way old uh, old Katie operated? Sure. Um, so let's go back as far as fifty six minutes ago when Richard called me and asked me to do the podcast. And then I hung up with Richard and I was like, yeah, I'll do the podcast. And I was like, I've never told any form of a story in any way since going from death to life. So I was like, instantly, well, gotta go talk to to Jesus about it because I have no idea what I'm going to say. So I went for a little walk, got to get my steps. I'm in a steps challenge. It's really important. Um, And when I asked Jesus, what the beginning of my story was, um, he said it was just like the beginning. So at the very, very beginning. So when I was born, so just like setting the context of when I was born, I won't spend an hour talking about my, my childhood, but to set context of, um, what my relationship was with, uh, God and what I thought about God and what I thought about, um, spirituality, Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with two Christian parents. I grew up with a lot of siblings. I grew up with a lot of love. Um, But my dad became a pastor pretty early on in my life. Uh, And so growing up, I was also a pastor's kid. So you're front row seat, um, up in front of church. You're at all of the prayer meetings. You're hearing all the things. And one of my very earliest memories, I feel like of all time, because I feel like I don't have a very good memory, but one of my earliest memories is a prayer meeting in Indiana at my dad's church. And they were saying something about, um, if you're not Adventist, I don't want to put this in, in Wayne's mouth. So I, I'm going to attribute it to unknown because there's no way he would say this. But my little like six-year-old brain was hearing, if you're not Adventist, you're not going to heaven. And I remember like just sitting on the front row of the church, just like sobbing because I knew I had some cousins who weren't Adventist. Um, An Adventist uh, is just a section of Christianity. Um, Like Christianity is a big deal. Adventist is like a smaller, lesser known deal. Um, But in my little brain, if you were an Adventist, you were not going to heaven. And I remember saying something to my mom and how that triggered like a ferocious prayer life specifically dedicated to praying for those in my life who were not Adventist so that they could go to heaven. 
So from a very early age, I feel like I was very legalistic, right, wrong, what's fair, what's not. Um, and I think that showed up in a few different places. But when I think about the beginning, um, that's kind of where my brain immediately went, was all about what's right, what's wrong, what's fair, what's not. And a, a weird Christian, jaded quick Christian form of justice, almost, if you will. That's... But I am curious, Richard, where you thought we would start with this story. Oh, I'll tell you when we get there. But um, what's so interesting is that I have such a similar thing in my family hmm. um, where we had an uncle and aunt who were not Adventists. Who, they, were, they were Adventists and then they weren't Adventist. And I don't think my parents ever said that they weren't going to go to heaven or anything. Um, but for some reason, as a child, I was like, oh! and there was this weird thing with my family with them. And I just talked to them this week and we had such, such an awesome conversation because my cousin was listening to, to my podcast and she was just like, wow, Richard, like just different stuff thinking about me. Hmm. And she, meanwhile, who has, who's not Adventist, is has the most beautiful heart I've ever seen. And her husband and her are involved. He, like he's in Paradise, California right now, just doing mission work. And we were just sitting there talking about like this, that elephant that was in the room for so many years in our relationship with like, oh, you guys aren't Adventist and the rest of the family is Adventist. And man, it was a weird, heavy mm -hmm. thing that nobody really ever talked about as a whole family. And it was kind. Of, it was. It was just weird. So you saying that, um, like I was just talking about that this this week. That's crazy. Um, yeah, flip that around. So you're you're talking about the cousins who are in your family who the, they're the only ones who aren't Adventist. On my mom's side of the family, we were the only ones who were. So I remember, um, like a lot of my little youthful relationships with my cousins. We were all about the same age. Um, I didn't eat meat. We didn't eat, none of, none of us ate pork or anything like that. We didn't drink alcohol. I, I mean, I was sick, so I didn't drink alcohol. <laughs> um, but I remember like at our family gatherings, it'd be like, oh, does that have meat in it? I can't eat it. And it being like this weird, like um, very, very much a root of pride, um, which will pop up later in the story, surely. Um, but just a little point of pride where it's like, oh, I don't eat meat and I, I, I'm Adventist and I, I go to church on Saturday and like just very um, much a us them mm. thing. And it came out both in the form of, you know, a, a point of differentiation between me and them, me and my cousins mm -hmm. um, who I wanted to be great friends with, but also like I felt like I was better than, but then showing up also in those moments of spirituality when I was like gutted at this fact that my religion was not only saying they were less than, but that they were screwed. Like there was like, unless mm. I did more for them, like they were going to be just outie. So yeah, definitely an interesting little dichotomy for a young age for sure. But 
I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that relate to what we're talking about if they have any members of their family that aren't Adventist. And um, yeah, I, I don't know when I uh, broke out of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's interesting. So uh, let me tell you where I thought, like, and this is stupid, it's because it's when I knew you. I'm like, sure. we'll start the story where where I know you. Well, yeah, where where Richard came into the picture. <laughs> yeah, because this is, and yeah. where I knew you is from just a a girl who shuffled very quickly up and down the basketball court, uh, and was always a bridesmaid, never a bride in these championship <laughs> games, and. I knew you you looked like you were really, really trying hard. And then I got to know you your senior year of high school. Um, So just talk to me if you want to go back further than that, like in high school, what your relationship with God was and what you believed about yourself in high Mm -hmm. school. Unless you want to go further back and we we can just peel back the layers no, no? Okay. I mean, I think so. As I think about my, uh, not just my spiritual walk or my kind of identity when viewed by Jesus or how I perceived it to be. So not even just that, but if you take my whole life, when I look back, I feel like it was a series of non-events. So it's, it's a lot of just very medium shuffling along you you're uh, indicate you're kind of painting a picture of how I look when I run um, for those who are listening and not visualizing um, paint a picture here with me I, I don't move my legs when I run I don't pick up my feet but I used to be very fast um, jury's out on whether I'm still fast I haven't really moved in a while but I feel like shuffling is also a little bit applicable to the way I went through life. So, um, all through elementary school, school is really easy for me. I had a lot of free time because learning came naturally just the way that school is structured to be. Um, I was able to focus on extracurriculars that I really wanted to, um, extracurriculars that involved other people like basketball or that involved just me like reading, love to read, love to be alone. Big fan of that. Um, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this cause you're not going to say it. Uh, Katie is extremely, extremely intelligent by how um, you would normally and naturally grade intelligence. Just like I feel like you understand concepts very quickly and you have a very good memory and you understand things and you aren't going to say it. But I don't know if you got a lot of value from this growing up, uh, but. I just wanted to put that in the story because I know yeah. you weren't going to say it, but now you're allowed to talk about it because I said it. Okay. Sure. Sure. No, I thought I alluded to it, but I get, I can get into it deeper. Um, the way that the public school system is set up or just learning in general, this idea of structured learning is very much conducive to Katie getting all the gold stars. So just the the characteristics that I have, the skill set that I have is very you know, geared towards getting A's with minimal effort. Um, So yes, I believe it's just hard for me to remember to think back to this time, Richard. Um, I I did get a lot of value from being smart, not trying hard. 
um, from getting all the grades that I wanted with little to no effort. Um, and I think that would show up in other ways too. So like I could get good grades in the classes that I had to be signed up for. If there's a class that I might not get a good grade in, um, or something that I might not do well in, I would shy away from it. So I think about in high school, volleyball, I'm pretty tall again, for people who are listening to a podcast or even seeing me somewhere. Um, you can't tell I'm, I'm a relatively tall lady. Um, I'm five ten. And when you're coming into uh, high school, especially at a Christian or Adventist um, school, any kind of height on a female is very uh, appealing to uh, organized sports. Um, and there were some people who pushed me to try out for volleyball or to just try and I could be on the team. But the summer before my freshman year of high school, I'd gone to like a church gym night or something and I never had played volleyball. I was just out there like trying with the older ladies, like having a good time. And I accidentally caught the ball like between my elbows. And uh, the girls on the other side of the net were like, oh, Katie, you're, you're so bad at volleyball. Oh, and I was no. like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing this. Was, <laughs> was that Vicky Fogg that was making fun of you? It wasn't. No, Vicky. it wasn't Vicky. Vicky was so sweet. She was there. It's so funny that you mentioned her. Vicky was there. It was some other girls who were closer to my age. And we're just, and I'm sure they don't even remember because why would they? Because it was just a silly thing because Katie did mess up. But, but you in my never mind, forgot. I was like, oh, like, yeah, no, sorry. It was a Sunday night. I, I know the time of year and I knew exactly when it was. Katie's not playing volleyball ever again. So, yeah, there are things that I So, wait, how did you say that you weren't going to play? Because it couldn't be like, Hey, Katie, you're going to try out for, for volleyball. And you're like, uh, you guys remember like three months ago, that Sunday night. And I caught the ball between my elbows. No, I'm never playing ever again. Like, did you just say, Oh, volleyball's lame or, uh, like, no, how would you I said, I'm bad at it. I straight up said, no, I'm bad at volleyball. I believed that I was bad. Okay. And I was like, I bet I could be good if I tried really hard. Um, but for so long at the beginning, like in high school, freshman, sophomore, junior year, all of that. I didn't try. And so at that point, if I tried, I would be too late and my skill level wouldn't match up with where people my age would be. So I would be below par. So I was like, I'm not going to try then because I'm too late. Oh, okay. Very logical in your yeah. choices. Okay. Really logical follow through with what was a very emotional reaction to a silly thing that happened. And this is something that I know. This is something that I saw old Katie um, was excellent at, was following through with something that she believed in and she was going to follow through no matter what. Uh, and uh, whether it was like loyalty to a person, whether it was loyalty to a busted idea, um, is, was that just kind of who you were? You're just like you believed you believe very much in what you thought? Um, I, I probably, um, I have always, in the past, I always kind of uh, defined it as I'm a trusting person. So maybe I don't ask a bunch of questions or I don't challenge a belief because maybe I'm not the expert in it. And so if it's been told to me, I'll trust that that's just that could be gold. And then I'm also like, I think 
it was always a very, and I feel like this ties into pride, but it was always a very um, appealing thing to have loyalty. Like loyalty was kind of a romantic um, characteristic to have. Like I was a big reader, love to read the fiction. The fictions are very, you know, quintessential Katie growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and loyalty was always like this big thing. It was in friendships and family. It was like, it's family first. Or if you had a best friend, it was like, oh, fam, it's your friend till you die or whatever. So mm-hmm. I feel like loyalty was um, something that I, I prided myself on. Um, in my relationships, but it's interesting that you point that out about beliefs or ideas, because that's not something I've ever, I had never really thought about that before. But I think it was also because I hadn't ever been prompted to challenge it. Sure. If that makes sense. I, I just, from coaching you in basketball and, you know, different conversations that we've had, stubborn is one of the characteristics that old Katie had. Totally. Um, but stubborn because you believed a bunch of stuff. Nobody's just, well, I don't know. We don't have to go into stubbornness as a, as a characteristic or whatever, but yeah, that's something that I saw in you. So you're going through high school, um, and, uh, insecure, would you say? Um, I would say, Yeah. As insecure as many um, high school girls will find themselves to be, you question your um, the strength or validity of your friendships. Um, I went to a boarding school, but I was village. So it was, you know, from one aspect, it was all the girls are hanging on. They literally live together. I'm never going to have the depth of a friendship that they have. So mine's going to be pretty surface level and I'm just going to have to be chill with that. Um, Romantically, I never had a boyfriend all through high school. Um, I, I didn't have any connections that way. And so that was definitely a point of, you know, insecurity. Um, But at the same time, it was so interesting because my insecurity was wrapped in a bubble of pride because it wasn't as if I ever questioned what I was worth. I knew I was a great friend if I was to bestow my friendship on someone. Um, I knew that I was, I'm tall, you know, I was a little bit of a baller in high school. I knew that as a romantic package, I was relatively appealing Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you want to speak about it scientifically but um so despite having those I would call it more surface level insecurities I was still really wrapped in like some bubble wrap of pride that was like it's not me it's them which is still just more us them was that to protect yourself um maybe I can't imagine it wasn't Uh, but at the same time, I felt like I was always so good just being alone. Like I was fine being alone. I, I took like joy from my introversion and from people being intimidated by me. I was fine with that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's like one of those like gobstoppers where it's like, oh, it's blue. Oh, it's insecure. Oh, but it's secure. Oh, but then it's 
insecure again. I'm not sure how, what was at the core, but it was just like a melding of both just constantly in conflict with each other. Like the insecurities of, you know, just everything bouncing off of this pride that I did have it all figured out. I was super intelligent. I had pretty hair. Once my braces came off, my teeth were good. So I was good from those regards. Like it was just the the battling of those two. Um, so I don't know, even looking back, it was just such an even split or not even a split. It was just such a perfect blend of both concepts just in me. Yeah. And I think that's, as your young person, that's why this thing is hard. Mm. Like, you don't even know what you don't even know and you're trying to figure it out. And, um, I, there's these two, two different Katie's both in death that I remember a vivid story about. And I want you to talk to me about these. One of them is your freshman year of college and you were innocent and you had really liked this guy and you were, kind of after them and and it it was around you katie you you and i share our favorite thing in life i actually think it's actually changed for both of us but for many years our favorite thing in life was a certain weekend in february and i don't think anybody loved it more than than you or i i don't i promise you i don't think anybody loved it and it was the basketball tournament so (laughs) this basketball tournament weekend uh, your freshman year of college and you were really interested in this guy, but you were really nervous and you were just like, oh, 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 I don't know what to do. And there's that Katie. And then there came a different Katie. And I, this story, you started becoming a little bit of savage Katie. Mm. And we were sitting in my office and you were just like, yo, I think such and such, because um, there was a a young man that was interested in you and was pretty obvious to everybody. And you're like, I don't think he's as interested in me anymore. And I was like, Oh word. And you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to hang out with him a little bit more so that he can become interested in me again. And I was like, dang gum, Katie. I was like, Katie, you don't like that dude at all. And you were like, yeah, but I like that he likes me and you were just being completely honest. And I was sitting at my computer and I was just like, and, and, and it was a short time before that, that you were just like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know if he likes me. And now you're, you're transitioning into this a little bit more confident, but a lot more savage. And we could peel back the layers of just why you were, you were even considering like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to this guy a little bit more so that he can, you know, like me again. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure you remember both of these stories. And uh, yep. tell me about the Katie of these stories and what was going on and just the shift from high school. Now you're in college and, and this savage Katie is starting to emerge. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she had always been there and I just... <laughs> I definitely thought you were going to the pottery stories. So this is kind of exciting that we're going a different way with freshman year. That's cool. 
Um, I've told that story so many times. I'm like so many times. It's, it's so old at this point. It's dated. Um, so I feel like the two stories that you highlight there, the timing of them was interesting because if you think about it from the perspective of Katie's freshman year, um, or just whatever time frame, it's fine. There was always a give and take of um, a story prior, which was Katie being super confident and savage, using Richard's words. Um, and then floating back to a Katie of like just deep insecurity and reacting in a way that's just unsure, um, doesn't really know how to move forward, just on shaky ground. Um, and immediately followed by um, just confidence out the wazoo that ends up hurting people. Um, and I think it all depended on how much control I thought I had. So with people who I knew liked me, I could be a savage because I knew that I had some control. And with the, the if I look back on either guys that I liked that I was unsure that, that caused me to feel unsure about myself or friendships that I had where, um, I was always like, Oh, do they like me? Do, did I do it right? Or like basketball, um, any of those things. It was always because I didn't know. I didn't know what they thought about me. I didn't know how they felt about me. I didn't know what they were saying about me and I had no control over it. There was nothing I could do to change it because it was just a big gap in my understanding. So like, I definitely looked at all of that as a control thing. And maybe I feel like in the moment I knew, because if I'm sitting in your office and I'm saying, this guy doesn't like me anymore, I better go wield my control and get him back in line 100%. I knew exactly what I was doing and I knew what I was missing when I didn't have the control. And that was what caused that push and pull of um, insecurity versus confidence, Um, feeling like garbage versus feeling like a savage. Like the full spectrum could be had based on how much control I had. It wasn't like, I know we've heard other stories on the podcast where it was, um, I think my sister-in-law Morgan, I feel like she was never in a position where she didn't have control because she wouldn't put herself in that position. She would only be somewhere where she had complete control. I would kind of find myself in either end of the spectrum and kind of muddy through it just based on if I felt like staying there or not. And sometimes it was worth it and sometimes it wasn't. But the control part really messed with me. Um, and control just segues right back into pride. You know, if you are able to go and get someone who liked you, it doesn't anymore, you get them back, like that's pride 100%. That's me being like, yeah, I knew I could, I knew I could do something there. Um, so my identity was definitely just like bundled up into this. What can I get other people to say about me? Even when I'm not there, get them to say like really good things, or at least like when I get to hear about what they're saying about me. Um, I know, I know, I just know what's up. So Mm. yeah, it's definitely just, it was a control thing, 100%. So I don't know if now hearing that, or maybe you already knew and you just wanted me to say, but the control was just like the little sibling to pride the whole time. Huh. Yeah. When I was talking to Tyler about this, 
I was like, Katie was never a savage to to me. And Tyler was like, that's because she likes you and wanted you to like her. That's the same way she's always been with me. And I was like, oh, because I would see these things. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. When, when you said that thing to me in the office, I, w- I felt I didn't know why it was so wrong. I just knew it was so wrong. And I immediately I felt awful for the, the, the guy because he was a sweetheart of a guy. And I was like, that's every guy's worst nightmare. Like that a girl would do that. Like that's how she would be rolling. And yeah, this control, I don't think I would have known back then how to talk about it because I think as you understand gospel, then you start to see your motivations and what you were doing before you knew. But the truth is until you are out of it, you don't really know what you're doing. There's no way you thought about control in this way unless, unless you did. Right. You, you didn't, you didn't think about it this way, but you brought up your, your sister-in-law Morgan and there was, um, I think this is important to talk about because I think it's one of the most beautiful things of your story is you run across somebody, um, who, you were the intimidating one and now here there's somebody else who has a lot of control. This is why um, Natalie never got along with Morgan ever. Mm-hmm. And for years, literal years, I'd be like, Morgan's great. You should like Morgan. And why am I saying Morgan's great? Because I love Tyler. And <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I laugh with Morgan because, but Morgan and I have no beef or anything like that. We, we both, you know, we're cool. But Natalie could see what Morgan was doing and Morgan could see what Natalie was doing. And it was like this, like, we're going to keep each other at arm's length. But for you and your relationship with Morgan, it was not as easy as I'm going to keep this person at arm's length. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so talk as much or as little as you want about as you're going through and now like with these relationships with people that are, you know, oil and water because you're both have a similar mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so Morgan is my sister-in-law. She is married to my brother, Tyler. Um, Morgan came into my life, uh, sophomore year of college. Um, because she came into Tyler's life, uh, and Tyler and I growing up did not have a super great relationship. Um, uh, one of the proudest moments in my relationship with Tyler was when he told someone that he doesn't hate me as much as he used to. Um, it was just very sweet. It was very precious. What a mercy. Put that on a, on a birthday card. I know. I want a t-shirt. All I got is this shirt, Tyler Morrison music, but I want a shirt that says I don't hate her like I used to. Um, but we just didn't get along. Me and my younger brother, Nicholas, were best friends um, to this day. We still are. Um, but me and Tyler just did not have that. So when we got to college, um, I was there with him for a little bit. Like I was there for a semester while he was abroad and then he came back. Um, and it was just so awesome because it was like, oh shoot, we can be friends. He, he thinks I'm a little bit cool. And so this is awesome. 
Um, and he starts dating this new girl, Morgan, and I'm into her vibe. I'm feeling it. I'm pumped to be friends with Tyler and I'm pumped to be her friend. Um, I, I won't say I ever got like a super crazy read on her. Like the way that you all describe, um, Natalie and Morgan just instantly recognizing each other and just steering clear. I don't think that ever happened. Like, I can't remember a moment where that happened with me and Morgan. It was just a, let me, you know, try and get in there. Um, become friends, I guess, um, with my brother's girlfriend. Um, and just it instantly becoming something, uh, that was untrue. So we talk, like we just talked about the the spectrum, right? So the one where I'm very sure, and I can be a savage because I know exactly what the impact is going to be. Um, and I can exert some level of control to make sure things are going the way that I want them to versus the other side, which is I have no control and I have no idea what the other person thinks. And it's constantly a guessing game and I'm insecure about myself because of it. And it was solidly in that camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had like a ton of girlfriends uh, and Morgan had a very solid network of women. Um, and I was like, okay, so I could probably, I'm friends with some of these girls. Like we could all be friends together. It could be awesome. Um, but it just never clicked. And so I was like, okay, maybe it just doesn't click and that's fine. Um, but I, I, I never really, it, it took a long time for me to ever think there was like a problem with me specifically, um, that maybe it was just like, yeah. And if Tyler and Morgan weren't together, we wouldn't be friends anyway. So it's okay that we're not best friends and that's going to be fine. Um, and it was a little bit of a bummer because I felt like I was really excited to be friends with Tyler. I was excited to have an older brother who we could have that relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would have loved to have been friends with his, you know, girlfriend at the time. Um, so I was bummed that it wasn't going to work out, but I didn't really know. I didn't really think it was a problem with me specifically. Right. It was just our, we just didn't mesh. And then I went abroad and I was in Italy for a year with my younger brother. Um, and while we were gone, Tyler and Morgan went through a little bit of a break. And Tyler called me a couple times during that. And the stuff that he was saying to me, was just like, ooh, this this Morgan is really ruining everything here. Um, and it just left a very gross taste in my mouth because one, my brother was calling me. He wanted to be my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but then two, someone had hurt him and I was very upset about that. So that loyalty that you talked about was coming through in this way. And I remember even in those conversations with Tyler, like saying to him, I can definitely relate to Morgan in this way. She is loyal to her family. And so am I. And I, I went away from that being like, oh, she hurt him. And we probably are going to have more issues now. But then by the time I got back from being abroad, they had gotten back together. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had been an intern where she lived for the summer. um, And so we had had a conversation during the summer and like, 
I think she prompted the conversation. Um, and it seemed like we were both trying to act like we were going to be good. Um, and it felt like a good conversation in the moment. I felt like good about it. Um, but then when we got back to school, it was just very much not good. Mm. And so I, I know as that's, that was our senior year, me and Morgan both. And so as the senior year is going on, it's just very obvious that like, we're just not friends and that's fine. Um, she's, and so I was just like, okay, I, I'll keep my distance. I'll do my own thing. But then she was like friends with my friends and I could tell that she didn't want me around. And so I was like, Oh, okay. Well, can I, can I still hang out with my friends? But it was just such a mess because I didn't want to be the bad guy. She was dating my brother and I wanted to be like, I didn't want to be the bad guy. Um, so I thought I was insulating things pretty well from any of my family. Um, and then something happened over Christmas. I don't even remember specifically what happened, but Tyler was basically, we had been, we were driving home from a Christmas excursion, but Morgan wasn't there. And he just said, I'm tired of being in the middle of this. You guys need to fix it. And I was like, in the middle of what? I thought I had been doing such a good job of just insulating things by myself. And that's when I realized like it was a bigger thing than I knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I hadn't been doing a good job of being, of keeping it separate. And so our relationship was just like all over the place. It was, it was facade, good, pretend when you're nearby, but just like tension out the wazoo. And like, even to this day, like I have a hard time like pinning it down exactly, but there was stuff I thought I was covering well in front of other people. And I, I don't think I wasn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. covering it. And so that was a little bit of a, a rude awakening to my little acting abilities. Katie, you're doing a bad job. Um, so yeah, after school ended, um, it was just never a good relationship. Um, And I think it extended outside of just me and her for a long time. And it was a bummer, but you know, I live far away. She lived far away and we, it was kind of nice when school was over because it was like, we'll never have to be in proximity with each other for a long time ever again. Like I I don't have to, (laughs) I don't have to pretend or we don't, no one has to try. She doesn't have to try. I don't have to try. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the stuff with Tyler and Morgan happened for other people who have not listened to the podcast. Tyler and Morgan have very great stories to hear. <laughs> um, but their story, when they talk about the stuff that went down that started uh, the fall a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, it happened while they were here in Florida, which is where I live now. Um And so I picked Tyler up when they had their huge, their initial fight and I picked him up and he stayed at my house for the week. And it was just like, it wasn't reiteration because I didn't feel any kind of like gloating or like I knew this was going to happen or I didn't ever feel like Morgan was in the wrong for any of these, you know, reactions or Tyler staying at my house or anything. It was very like... I felt like that was so old news 
Like that was so college, like those feelings and that involvement. I was like, I, 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 it's not about me. I don't really want to get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to observe and I'm observing my brother's hurting and stuff's going on. But all of that happened so close to me that I was just confronted with the fact that I wasn't as far removed as I thought I was. Um, so Tyler and Morgan go through their year of discovery with gospel and with truth and Morgan's rejecting it for a while. And Tyler is just discovering, discovering and calling me. And what was that like when he would call you? Cause yeah. I know like you had a front row seat when he's over there and I'm sure like this is when he's actually the, the gospel started to come alive and now all this horrible stuff is happening to you. And I've told my story where I was just like, Oh, cool, bro. And, but my focus was more on the, the marriage and like, can we salvage this marriage? Like, like, please don't get divorced. Um, and, Oh, I like what you're saying. Cause what you're saying, that sounds really good, but I didn't understand it all the way until, uh, tell my story. Mm-hmm. But like, how are you handling like, what he was saying and then what the gospel is saying and what he's saying about the gospel. How, how was it landing for you? Yeah. I, so taking the things that you kind of just said, I wasn't really concerned with their marriage. I didn't want them to get divorced, but I, I didn't have any emotions tied up in it necessarily. Uh, so when he would call me, he would call me about, some gospel thing that he had just realized or something he was like learning for the first time. And he would call me and share it with me. And I was just immediately like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I would hang up and I'm like, yeah, I believe that now. Wow. So like, my <laughs> here's a new thing that I believe. <laughs> yeah, no legit. I would hang up the phone with Tyler and Griffin, who is now my husband, what would be in the kitchen with me. And I remember specifically, I hung up the phone with Tyler. I turned over to Griffin and I was like, Hey, I believe this now. Isn't that revolutionary? And he was like, Oh, I don't know about that. And he would ask questions and he'd be like probing a little bit. And I was like, Griff, I don't know. Just call Tyler. I don't know what to tell you right now. So it was just for me, I was just very accepting of the things that he was telling me. And I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds legit. That lines up. Logically, that makes sense. So I'm going to believe that now. And like every time I would get a call from him, like I would love when he called me and I was like, oh yeah, what's he going to tell me this time? And it was always good. And I always came away like, yeah, no, that checks out. That checks out. I'm in. I believe it. Um, And I wanted to hear how things were going with Tyler and Morgan. I wanted to know, you know, what progress there had been there. Um, But really my, which you know, my heart was soft towards Morgan, just in that regard. I wanted good things for them, but more than all of that, I wanted the gospel that Tyler was sharing with me. And it was just so happened to be the catalyst of that was their whole thing. And so it worked out really good for me, (laughs) but. So so why did you, why do you feel like you wanted that gospel so bad? Just Um, yeah, like I said, I just like my whole spiritual walk just was kind of non-eventful. 
I would have like, you know, the stereotypical, you know, moment of spiritual high, but I was never involved in campus ministries. So I never had organized, um, you know, activity that I was super involved or invested in. So anything that I felt was very um, just middle of the road. And I knew that there was more to be had. Like, Mm. I just, like, I've always known there was more, but there was so much, I guess this kind of stems where ties into um, if there was a sport, I didn't know that I would be good at. I wouldn't try Mm -hmm. or a class. I didn't know I could ace. I maybe wouldn't take with, God and spirituality and just knowledge about him in general, there was so much out there. I just didn't even know where to start. And so I just didn't even start. I didn't Mm -hmm. know how to begin or um, where to go, but I knew there was more and I was just waiting for it. So when he's telling you that there's more and you're like, yep, I knew it. And that's I good. I knew it. <laughs> I knew there was more. And I was just like so excited about it. And it was just so easy for me to not ask questions. And, you know, that that can pop up as a hindrance when I'm explaining it to someone else who maybe isn't as, you know, open or desperate to have it. Because mm-hmm. I don't have all the answers. I just know that it's true. Hmm. And I just know I knew it immediately. But I would just take it and I wouldn't ask questions. I was like, yeah, that checks out. And he's like, well, do you have any questions? But You're like, no, Jesus yeah. loves us. We're good. <laughs> no, we're good. It sounds like we're just like righteous and uh, we're, we're good. So... <laughs> And and what about Nicholas? Was he asking you questions? Were were you guys talking about this at all? Because he, I mean, um, he's had his own journey with it. He had his own journey, and we rarely talked about each other's journeys, which is so interesting. Because um, that's your best friend. That's your boy. Because that's my best friend. I think there had always just been things with Nicholas, um, where I was the older sister. We were best friends, but I was older. So I was always taking care of him in some way. Um, And so I think there were things that I didn't want to know about how he was doing because for so long I had felt kind of caretaker. um, And I I didn't want to be a caretaker in this way. But I also didn't want it to feel to him as though I was trying to caretake him. I wasn't trying to like to get too involved um, with this thing with him, because mm. what if it didn't click with him and would that reflect back on me? It's, was it a sure thing? I don't know. So I didn't want to get involved. I was, I was like, I'm not going to talk to him about it. I think there are a couple of times where we had um, very, very brief conversations, like the classic, so you talked to Tyler lately. <laughs> yeah. Like that guy's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. That guy's pretty, he's pretty wild, huh? Um, but yeah, we, we didn't have very deep conversations. The only conversations that I had like for a very, almost to this day still, um, were very brief one-on-one conversations with Tyler where he would call me out of the blue, he would share something and I'd be like, that checks. Bye. And then then Griffin's (laughs) like, what do you mean it checks? We don't, what? And you're like, Griffin, don't talk to me no more. 
<laughs> so, so you're in this relationship. Uh, let's 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 move here. You're in this relationship with Griffin, Griff, the Griff dog. Um, yes. How was that going? Mm-hmm. What, and and had some of the stuff that you were believing from college was mm-hmm. it now manifesting itself in your in your dating life? Yeah. So. Like I said, I never had a boyfriend. I didn't date all through high school and pretty much all through college. I never had a, a relationship with um, anyone. Like it just wasn't me. So the the Adventist mantra of going to college and emerging with a spouse did not happen for Katie. And that's not a foolproof this, plan. That, that, that's not, not foolproof. A, yeah. Mm, sorry. Well, we'll so that didn't happen for me. But I did leave school with a surefire job with direction. And I was like, it's going to be fine. It'll all work out in the end. Like there were enough other things that were going well for me that I was like, uh, uh, a partner's not there yet. And that's fine. So in Florida, um, I'd been here for um, about a year when I heard about uh, a man who might be available. There's a man for romantic interest. Um, it's actually, it's so crazy. It was Morgan's mom who randomly texted me out of the blue and she said, um, I have a man for you. And I was like, Oh, who? And she said, his name is Griffin Prusha. He's tall. He's wonderful. And she like kind of outlined these details about him. And I was like, sick. And that was in October. I did not meet him until the following June. So like she planted a seed and then the plant went through winter. And then I met him um, through a mutual friend at the beach and he taught me how to surf. And just from like the very first meeting of him, um, it was obvious how patient he was. And how interested in me he was. So that was a fun thing from the beginning for us, for sure. But all the things that we've kind of talked about. Like, I really like this guy because he really likes me. What a wonderful personality that he has because he really likes me. I Well, I just knew from the very first time we met that there was the, the, the aroma of romance. There was a hint of romance in the air. And like, there was just more to come. Um, and so the first, we, we met in June, we started officially dating. He asked me to be his girlfriend at the end of August. Um, and until it was another six months, probably, um, where I was still horrible to him. Like I was I don't know how he stayed with me. I had never been in a relationship before and I acted the way I wanted to act. I felt like because I was honest or truthful or upfront that everything was fine, that I was telling him verbally, I was like, I'm not ready to kiss you or be physical with you in any way. Um, for six months into us dating. Um, And that's fine because I told you, we don't need to talk about why, but I told you, so we're good. Um, Just the way I wanted to still be independent. And I didn't view him as, as like equal to me. I could just do my own thing. And it was very damaging to our relationship very early. It was the beginning. So very early on, um, there were just things that I contributed to 
our relationship that were negative and they perfectly aligned with insecurities that he brought into our relationship, which were that, you know, I didn't want to spend time with him or I was embarrassed of him Um, and me being independent and wanting to go do my own thing uh, just spotlights that. Right. Mm -hmm. So there were just, or me not wanting to be physical because that had never been part of my life all the way up until having a boyfriend. And now it's like, Oh, he's my boyfriend. I'm still not ready. Um, and so those things just and hurt our just to make sure that some listeners, when you're meaning physical, you mean like holding hands, like no, not anything crazy. Okay. Literally me sitting on the couch beside him. He came over to my house to hang out with me like for weeks and I wouldn't even sit on the couch by him. I would sit on the floor because I couldn't be close to him. Yeah, because someone might listening and saying being physical, that might mean a whole other For thing. a lot of different things. Yeah, <laughs> no, not, not this kitty. This yeah. kitty can't even sit by someone on the couch back then. So very different. Yeah, we were, we didn't hold hands for a very long time. We didn't kiss until we had been t- dating boyfriend and girlfriend for six, seven months. Um, just a long time of me doing the push pull, um, with someone who was, I I was committed to. So Mm. me pushing him away until I heard him and then pulling him back because it seemed like he might want to break up with me. Um, so that that college conversation is now acting itself out in real life in a real relationship. Oh yeah. Mercy. The control, the control. Yeah. Tons. Um, and it was like that for a while. And it was like, this was before even the stuff was going on with Tyler and Morgan, but our relationship just kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, I need to either be done or I need to be really invested and actually try. And I... I focused more on not being right, all the things where I would justify myself to him or make myself feel like I was smarter or more correct or I was justified in whatever I was wanting to do. Um, I kind of put it down. Well, why did Why did you start doing this? Um. I had hurt him. Something, something had happened where um, I had broken his trust a little bit mm. and it, it affected my relationships, even with his family a little bit because mm-hmm. they got involved as well. Um, and it was a lie. It was a lie that had been just going around and it really hurt his mm. feelings justifiably. Um, but I was, I I was so upfront with him. I was like, I'm, I'm committed to you. Like, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I just have never known how to act in a relationship. Um, and that kind of just triggered to me. It was like, if you can hurt him this much without trying, like, just, just get in there and try it. And it just kind of shook me into, um, recognize what you're doing. And it wasn't all me. Like the way I'm saying it sounds like, oh, I recognized the wrong of what I was doing and I 
and I saw how amazing he was, which is all true. But like at the same time, it was like Holy Spirit was just like massaging my little heart and was like, you are wrong and you're often wrong. And um, that just caused me to open up in vulnerability to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can just feel us becoming better friends because mm. we had started dating so early in knowing each other. We weren't, we didn't even know each other really. Mm. And all of a sudden we were expected to make out. And I was like, how can you think that? <laughs> but we started becoming friends and I wanted to hang out with him more than anyone else, which is something, you know, probably should be happening before you start dating. But I felt all these things happening and I was like, oh yeah, I knew it. I knew this was going to be a relationship to end all of the relationships. And so like we just got better and better and better and yeah. So now uh, and that was all like pre-freedom. That was all like pre-death to life. So let's talk about death to life. You're hearing all of this gospel. You're like, okay, I'm starting to understand some of it. Um, when, when did you see? Yeah, tell me about when it happened, or like the truth that came in, or whenever when you were able to see old Katie and be like, oh, that's that's old Katie. Like when when mm-hmm. talk to me. Um, so as all that stuff was happening with Tyler and he keeps just calling me and saying like just these little truth bombs. And I was like, Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, those were the only little things that I was getting, but I, I knew that I was like on board with all of them, Hmm. but I wasn't having any, any in-depth conversations. I wasn't tearing up my Bible. I wasn't doing anything, but I was hearing Tyler say, and the Holy Spirit say through Tyler, well, you don't really have to do anything. Um, it's already yours. So I was like, okay, I feel pretty good about this, but I'm not 100% sure because um, I haven't had any kind of crazy moment or feeling or um, change. But I could feel myself acting different and being different. Um, and that go, goes on for months and months um, where Tyler keeps having all these things happen and he keeps telling me about them. Um, he has this, he, he calls me when Morgan is free, like he call or texts me or something, or he sends me a Marco Polo, something really short. And he's like, I can't talk long. And I was like, okay. Um, and I'm at work and he's just like, I can't talk long. And I was like, okay, well, what's going on? He's like, Morgan's free. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I gotta go. Bye. And it hangs up on me. And I just instantly started crying. Because I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Like, I knew, like, I'd still had questions up until that moment as to how in it was I, because I didn't understand anything. But the little bit that I had understood, I knew that I was on board with. Mm -hmm. So I hear that Morgan's free, and I just start crying. And I was like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. That's sick. So you actually were happy for his marriage to not fall apart and go into the the dumpster. I was, but I mean, at the same time, it wasn't even about that. It was about her. Oh, like it wasn't really about like him saying that. And he was like, it's the craziest thing. And I was like, I believe it. Like, I know it is. 
Because if she's free, there's something miraculous going on. There's something crazy happening. Um, yeah. And so um, that happened. And it, again, I could sense that it was a different heart that was receiving these things. It was a different Katie that was processing it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't claim to be free because I didn't know enough. Right. And I was like, I can't say that I am. What if I'm not? Or I don't know enough to explain it. Or I didn't have this moment. But like in my reactions to things, I could tell that I was being a little different. So and, then and when we talk about being free, like some people get triggered when we say that. So I, yeah. what it means is just like, we've dropped off the baggage of of legalism mm-hmm. of of trying to get something that God has given us through Jesus and we've like opened our hands to receive it and believe we have it um that's that's when people talk oh, like oh and so sometimes like this thing is taken on its own thing and now people are like oh, um what do you mean free and so that's what you're referring to when yeah. you didn't know if you had opened up your hands and really received this finished work, really understood it and dropped the baggage of, of, of legalism. Yeah. Before we came into this podcast, I thought I would do a better job of like not using (laughs) like language that is not universally understood. And then now I'm just talking to my friend, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all good. Uh, I have, I have a, Somebody called me or texted me the other day and said, you say dog a lot on your podcast. I was like, oh, my bad dog. Like that's <laughs> like, or mug or whatever I say so much. Uh-huh. And or dad gum. Yeah. And I'll be playing a podcast episode and Griff will walk through. He's like, oh, dad gum. <laughs> <laughs> is he making fun of me? Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I've never met this guy and he's making fun of me. I know. I know. He's I love awesome. Him. I know. I love him. All right. But keep going. You didn't know. You didn't know if you, um, but you were, that's where we were when I cut you. I was on board. I just didn't feel like I was in, I was, I was with it, but I had no idea there. I just felt like there was more that I didn't get that. I wasn't there yet. I wasn't having the conversations or I was just kind of out on an Island. And I was like, I feel this inside, but it's not confirmed. It's not, it's not complete it's not 100% but I feel like I'm right there with it um and a couple months later uh I was able to go to Lincoln for basketball tournament let's go how crazy is that and it was like the first time I've gone to basketball tournament where I did not care about basketball which has been quite an evolution of Katie to go from caring so much about it. And now it's like, I cannot remember the last time I had a basketball or watched someone play or anything like that. But besides the point, I go to Lincoln for basketball tournament because my sisters were going to be there. Um, So both of my sisters were going to be in the same place. I was going to go and see them. Um, I was really, really excited about it. And um, that weekend uh, I end up encountering some people who have been going through this journey with Tyler. I've heard about these people for so long and it was just really interesting to meet them in person. Um, and I was like wanting it, but still feeling like, Ooh, I'm not in it, but wanting it, but not feeling apart. Um, and so that 
Confidence. That Friday night is, I think, I when I told you and your sisters, I don't think your sisters had known that I had, I was most likely going to get fired. Huh? And we were at this Friday night thing, and there was a <laughs> bunch of people that were like, like Natalie and Tyler and Morgan, myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Morgan and Tyler were there. I think they were, and we were at Eddie and Jayla's. Mm-hmm. They were and, there, and it was a. Christian was there with his brother and we're mm-hmm. rocking out, we're praised. And it was just a very interesting vibe, if you remember that night, because it was just like, we don't want to push this on you guys, but you guys know that that what God has done for you. And I'm I'm telling my story about, yeah, I'm most likely gonna get fired here at the end of this month. And like the reaction, you're like, uh, that's crazy bro like hope it works out for you Mm -hmm. i'm like yeah i don't know if it will we'll see Mm -hmm. Uh, i remember that distinctly uh what Mm -hmm. what do you remember about that and like because that's kind of like the beginning of this or that that weekend yeah we're all going hard on this stuff yeah i just i remember the feeling of wanting to be there and wanting it to be true about me and wanting me to be part of it but at the same time, feeling very out of place, like feeling like a very obvious sore thumb. Like when music is going, I've never been one to like, you know, I've never been someone to get really into it. Um, and me, they're Christians playing, people are singing, people are, you know, praising. And I'm just like, I want to be into it. I want to, you know, give up the vibe that I'm into it, but I'm also just like so conscious. And um, I think this is a very Adventist thing. Yeah. Because if like we're in a pew and you're rocking out at one side and I'm over here and I'm not like Mm -hmm. one of us is wrong and it can't be Mm -hmm. me. So (laughs) what's going on here? This music isn't even that hype. So we get, (laughs) and and it's just like, we get in our feelings. Uh Like, what does he know that I don't know? Mm-hmm. He can't, yeah. it can't be true. We're so weird because mm-hmm. anytime like somebody like, like Christian in church while someone's playing music and they're and his hands are raised I've, in, in CVC, huge, huge <laughs> sanctuary. There's one person in the whole sanctuary raising their hands. And just because that person's raising their hands, I could feel the tension in the sanctuary. Just like, why is that dude raising his hands? And if you're not Adventist and you're listening to this podcast, uh, we're not bashing on Adventists. It's just, this is the culture that we've grown up in. And so it's weird to see somebody just really digging the music and and praising in a certain way. So yeah, yeah, I understand like what you were talking about there is what I'm yeah, 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 yeah. So that was Friday night. That's when I met a bunch of people. And Richard and Natalie were there, who I love. Tyler and Morgan were there, which I felt like I was in a great place with them at that point. Um, Lauren and Alyssa were there. And it was so funny because Lauren and Alyssa were in similar positions to me, just in their their timeline of their story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but I feel like they were like Alyssa was a very sure she had had um, some moments of just spirit revealing things very clearly to her. And so she felt fresh in part and in, and just very um, in love with this new gospel um, and the understanding uh, that, that the Holy spirit just kind of gave to her heart. So for me, I was like, 
I know and I know a little. I get it. I want it. I'm not it yet. I'm not there. The next day we go to church. It's really good. I, I know enough to feel like I know how to respond, but because I don't feel like I'm in, I I feel like my answers are just calculated because I, I just know what to say. So I'm saying what I'm supposed to say. Or I'm reacting the way I'm supposed to react. Um, so we go to church. And then we go to um, hoo-ha for lunch. Um, and we're at hoo-ha and we're eating. And like, I just have a feeling of like, I want to talk to you. Like, I want to have a one-on-one conversation with some of these people. And um, Eddie must have been feeling the same way because in the middle of the restaurant, he just starts talking only to me. And having just a very direct conversation, asking a question that I've heard many people get asked, which is, um, how's this landing with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, it's good, it's good, it's good. Um, it is, it's going fine. Um, but basically, like, I wanted everything he was doing. I wanted someone to put, ask me and put me on the spot because I wanted confirmation that it was mine. Mm. And it, that whole situation culminates in him like grabbing my hands in the middle of hoo-ha and us praying um and praying over the things that have popped up even in this conversation today like pride and control and like praying over those two things specifically and putting those things to death was that that moment at hoo-ha that pride and control was revealed like oh this is i felt like I felt like pride was revealed uh, that morning. If it wasn't abundantly clear, we had gone to Tyler Sabbath school that he did. Um, and there were these little cards that had like, these are the lies, which one do you identify with more? And then here's like the category it falls under and Bible verses associated with each one. And I remember taking that card and I was like, yep. I, I talked about it in my small group and it was like, it's pride, pride 100% and then control as well. And so that morning with the little cards, I was like, oh yeah, no, I know exactly what it is. And then we go to hoo-ha and Eddie's like, well, what are the words? And I was like, well, I'll tell you what happened this morning at Sabbath school. It was pride and control. Um, So he prays over those things with me and I felt amazing about it. We're leaving hoo-ha and riding with you and Eddie in the minivan. And I remember you trying to ask me questions and Eddie was like, no, Richard, just listen to the music. And so we just listened to a song (laughs) and you're like, Okay. <laughs> you're just sitting no, there, right? Ricardo, por favor. That's yeah, so that, I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it, yeah. how it happened. And so then that afternoon, we're just hanging out. Um, and people I can tell are just wanting to ask me a ton of questions about, you know, Eddie, grab your hands and pray for you. And who got, how do you feel? And I didn't really have anything, you know, specific to say, because it was just another thing of like, I know that I believe it. Um, I know it. Mm -hmm. And then the moment that is especially like memorable or poignant to me is actually the next morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I met up with a friend, Drew. Big Drew. So big Drew. Um, Drew and I have been friends for a really long time and uh, we're just talking, catching up. He's freshly married, just talking about all the stuff that's going on with him um, and talking about, uh, me and uh, I was like yeah I don't know if you heard about Eddie praying over me and hoo-ha yesterday that was pretty wild 
<laughs> and I was like, people keep like asking, do I feel different? And I'm like, I feel like I am different. I feel like I was already different. And he was like, Katie, you are different. Like I can tell you've been different. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I know. But it was just like him just saying, Katie, like you are, you already know this stuff. You already believe it. And I was like, I know I do. You're right. And that just settled on me so firmly. And I was like, I don't know why I need it. I don't need someone to tell me that. And yet just that confirmation was enough for me to be like, uh, yeah, I'm well done. <laughs> like I'm solidly arrived. Like it is mine. I am to use the word like that they say in the Bible, like it's sealed in me. Hmm. It was in that moment. And that was at another Lincoln staple <laughs> restaurant, Bagels and Joe. <laughs> but there's it was something just about, saying. Yeah, there's something about this agreement. Because yeah. uh, Kessie and Rain and I were talking the other day on Instagram about this question in Acts where people lay hands on people hmm. to give them the Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, we see at Pentecost early, and I think it's Acts chapter four or five, that the Holy Spirit gets poured out on all these people. Then later in the book, people are praying and putting hands on people. And we're like, yo, is it just like, are you praying and putting hands on someone because the you like the Holy Spirit is revealed in that person and so you're just confirming it? Or is you're laying hands on that person, giving them the Holy Spirit? And it's like kind of these weird questions about it. And we're like, mm-hmm. when did the Holy Spirit come? Because Jesus said that when he leaves, the Spirit's going to come. And was mm-hmm. it at his resurrection? I hear so many times in, in these stories, and for me, particularly, this is, this is in my story, when somebody confirms and agrees and it's like, no, you have this, that's so encouraging. And that's what we're meant to do. And, and sometimes we're, we feel like we have to tell somebody that they're doing something wrong or to, to, like, to change them in their path. But for you, for me, for, for Natalie, um, it's like when someone comes along and says, no, you have this, mm-hmm. like the Holy Spirit is in you. I've known this and how powerful that can be for somebody. So I guess I'm, I'm just encouraging us to speak life and truth over people in boldness um, because of what the father has said about them through sending his son. Mm-hmm. Totally. What you're just talking about, the, the cyclical thing, asking the question of what comes for first or what is cause and effect or vice versa. And on my little prayer walk before coming and talking with you, Uh um, like one thing that I just kind of heard was, uh, peace. So just focus on peace. And then I just start rattling off the fruits of the spirit. And a lot of times I've always just thought of fruits of the spirit as being things I will do. Mm. Um, and just that one, it's just a unilateral movement. It's just, I will be love. I will be peaceful. I will have patience. Um, and it was just like the Holy spirit just kind of was like saying to me in that moment, it's like, not only are you doing it, 
and you're able to do that to others, but it's the circle back. It's only because you are love Mm. because the Holy Spirit's in you because God lives in you. Mm. So I am love. I am peace. And because of that, I am able to love. I am able to bring peace to a situation. I'm able to be patient with someone because the spirit is patient in me. And so it's like a bilateral thing, which for some reason was just like, I'm really into the semantics of things right now. Mm. Um, And it's not just this one way valve. It's just a circle. It's like cyclical with this spirit flowing through, going out, coming back. It's just living in. It's us living in it. Uh, And that just is so crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you come back from Lincoln and you're just like, I'm different. And so did, did Griff comment that you were different first or were you different first? And then like, how did that go? Um, yeah, I was back from Lincoln for a couple of weeks and I was just like, I started singing all the time. I was just like, just constantly just singing. That was like the biggest difference I felt in my actions was that I was just singing constantly. Um, why were you I singing? Remember, I was just singing. And I was so happy. I was just like praising all the time. I read something in the desire of ages, um, where Jesus was talking about, or like Jesus was growing up. So he's in Nazareth. He's doing the things that a carpenter does. He's a little bit ostracized by his little town. Um, but he's able to just commune with his father cause he's singing all the time. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing. So I'm literally just like communing with my, my God, literally all day long. And that's why I'm singing so much. And I don't, anyway. So yeah, I was just I singing all the time. I could not keep my little voice to myself. I was just singing. I wasn't, you know, coming at anyone or like viewing newbie gospel at anyone because I just didn't understand it enough to do it. Yeah. But I was singing all the time because there was something in me that had to be let out and it wow. was coming out in the form of some sick praise music in a silly voice. So I was singing all the time. And I remember a very specific moment where we were on a bike ride and Griff was like, I was singing a lot and we'd pull back up to his house and he's like, you've been acting like really different. I was like, Oh, cause I'm singing all the time. And he was like, I mean, yeah, but you're also just like, you're nicer. You're so joyful. And I was like, true dude. It's cause I got the spirit living in me. And like, we just started talking about it a little bit more and, and I still just didn't have all the answers, but like that prompted conversations with him and like, just open doors and yeah. So he, he definitely made comments for sure. He's like, dude, you're different. You're nice. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, thanks for sticking around. Seriously. But yeah, it's pretty sick. Wow. So circling back, I don't want to leave this podcast, not resolving the story with Morgan. Yeah. Let's, re- let's resolve that story. Um, But in our lives, I don't know that we had any kind of conversation to each other, but we just started treating each other in love. We were just 
Um, it was never an explicit thing. Uh, but all of a sudden, like, you know, my reaction to hearing that she had had this heart transformation, spirit just washing over her and making her new, my heart was <laughs> melted into tears. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just able to all of a sudden be nothing but love to each other. Um, without even talking about the past, it was, it, it was things that had happened and, you know, things that weren't us, it was just nothing good. Mm-hmm. And what I think was such a, a blessing to me was how willing I was to like, just be down with this new version of me and her and what that meant for our relationship. Hmm. Um, and we kind of both just went head first into that. And we had awesome conversations. Um, when I visited her in Hawaii, uh, over Thanksgiving, I, we got to go visit her and Tyler. And again, we never really talked about the past, although it was like a little running, like inside joke where I was like, Oh yeah, that, Katie and Morgan used to hate each other and now they're best friends. And I was like, I mean, yeah, we don't have to talk about how we weren't friends, but we are best friends now. And that's amazing. Um, and then at my wedding weekend in February, um, we had little breakouts. We had a very small little wedding, but we had worship literally constantly. I had people be like, man, you guys certainly have a lot of uh, devotions in this wedding weekend. And I was like, <laughs> We're about sorry, it. So. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. So on Saturday, we did small groups for Sabbath school, and Morgan was in our small group. And in the group was um, my parents, um, my husband's parents, uh, me and Griff, and then my best friend, Azriel, and her husband. Yeah. And in the middle of this, my mom references something about being right. Um, with people that you love, but really you're not right if they're hurting, if you're hurting them or um, they're in the wrong, like they're, you're not going to be right until you're good. Hmm. And so she just alluded to how she always wanted to be right in a situation. And so she would just like, you know, beat the horse just repeatedly because she was right. Hmm. but she was just hurting the other person. And until they were good, it never mattered who was right or wrong. Hmm. And Morgan started talking and she was like, I didn't think I was going to do this and looked at me and we both just started crying. Hmm. Uh, And it was just like this cathartic, like wrongs were done, Hmm. but no one's right until we're right with each other. Hmm. And we had gotten to experience that um, in the last year. Uh, I remember after that conversation, um, you know, the prayer with Eddie that whole weekend, um, there was something a few weeks later, I think I was listening to, I was listening to something of her. Did you have an episode of the podcast already by then? No, surely not. Not, not in, no. I think they had, they had spoken, Tyler and Morgan had spoken on a virtual love reality tour. Mm. They had given a little bit of their testimony or something. And, um, I was just laying in bed and I was like, I need to call Morgan. Um, and I called her and we like, we prayed together, we cried together 
and said, I love you. And it was just like this very emotional thing. And, um, and yet still we hadn't had any kind of Mm -hmm. conversation or anything until my wedding weekend. And just that moment of rightness, uh, of her surfacing this thing that had been a little bit of tension that had brought in other people, not only just me and her, but you know, Tyler's family, his Mm. parents, um, Griffin's parents, however, they were involved, our friend Azriel and whoever, however she was involved, like just this cathartic moment of everyone being present, Mm -hmm. um, and witnessing a reconciliation like that, um, was just beautiful. 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 No, and I want to transition to this as we, as we wrap this up. Uh, since you've been in Florida, we've talked a couple times. Uh, a couple of them has just been for really sad things, uh, teammate passing or friends passing. And, and, but I knew that you were different and you're the week before your wedding. I just wanted to call you to tell you like, yo, you're so happy. You are a happy person and I'm not going to tell the the pottery story, but the pottery, (laughs) the the Katie that was nervous and afraid of everything and insecure and weighing herself and believing lies and living with pride and all that to this woman who is about to get married. And in that conversation, just like my heart was just so encouraged. And then as I was watching your wedding on Zoom, uh, the week before, Morgan and Natalie and I were all talking about how weddings can be so whack. And how mm-hmm. weddings, a lot of the time, are the bride proving that she can put something together. Like, <laughs> it's this competition, like, of, yeah, I can do it. Look at, look at my taste. Look at my Pinterest taste or whatever. And when I saw your wedding and I heard your voice, I was just like, yo, this wedding is just about joy. This wedding is just about peace. This wedding is just about, it's just happy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, talk to me about you going into marriage. You've been married for a couple months now and the peace and the joy that you have and what is available to people when they believe truth. Mm-hmm. Um. Marriage is the best. (laughs) Um, I absolutely love being married. I can't believe I didn't get married sooner because it is such a gift. (laughs) I know why you didn't, but keep going. Yeah, no, I I mean, I could have still gotten married like last summer and been good, honestly. Like we could have still been very, very happy. Um, No, marriage is such a blessing. And loving Griffin has been the biggest The biggest example of love that I could see. It's, uh, I shout out to Elias's episode of the podcast, but I flippin' love that one. And he talked about, you know, the spouse being the person who's just the closest target for the, I'm probably paraphrasing horribly here, but the big pose of love because you're just so full of the Holy spirit and God's love. And so it's like, Oh shoot, got to find somewhere to really blast someone. And your spouse is just like splash zone right in front. 
Um, and it has been such a privilege to love Griff and be the direct recipient of his love, um, to feel that it's God who's loving me through him, um, to figure out how our lives mix together, um, and still know where the other person is in relation to our father. Um, it's probably gross to people, but I call him brother all the time and he calls me sister, but it's in a sense of spiritual family. Like our father is one person and we are like so much more than just husband and wife. Like we have this crazy bond, this crazy union. That's only because of God, because of what Jesus has already done for us. Um, and it's just so, it's so wild. It's so amazing being married. Can't believe it. There's so much garbage with marriage when, when there's just lies. And it's so much to the point where sometimes people are like, what, what is the point of marriage or why get married? And we're sitting there and we're like discussing this thing and it's like abstract or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the whole point is that it's awesome. Mm -hmm. That it's good. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just good. Like it was never intent. Like divorce was never intended. Adultery was never ever to be intended. Uh, sexual immorality was like that was not come up with by God. Like it was never a part of the plan. And so in a marriage that like there's two people that they have received transformed hearts mm -hmm. from their father like those things have no business in it. It's just selflessness. And to see that, and like, if you're listening to this and you're just like, what's the point of this marriage thing? It's, it's awesome. Of course, and it has the same potential to be horrible because of sin. But I mean, hopefully you've heard through, I think this is episode 26 or 27, like we're free from sin. Mm -hmm. Um it has no control or power over us any longer and it has no rights over our marriages. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Um, I asked this question to a bunch of people, but uh, this will be my last question. And uh, tell me what you would go and tell uh, Katie, Katie Morrison, Katie Morrison from maybe five years ago. What would you tell mm -hmm. Katie Morrison? What would Katie Prue should tell Katie Morrison? <laughs> about who she is and uh, what you want her to know about herself. Mm -hmm. The first thing that just pops into my head is you are righteous, period. I was a very big doer. <laughs> I, I'll attribute all of my um, like big proponent of meritocracy of the things that I've done got me where I am. Um, and so in spirituality, I will do, do, do. And that's, what's going to get me what God's promised me. Um, reading the Bible all the time, um, saying my prayers before I go to sleep, praying for all my sins to be forgiven so that I make it to heaven in case Jesus comes while I'm sleeping. These things that, I have to do to either exert control or um, be the boss of my actions. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I am righteous. God said it was so regardless of, I heard something today, me and Nicholas were messaging about it and it was, God doesn't love you for what you say or what you do. He loves you because of who he is and who he says you are. And I was like, yeah, I would say that to Katie Morrison. Mm. Um, 100%. It's not anything I do or who I say I am. It's who he is and who he says I am. That's awesome. I love it. It's too much gospel. It's almost too much. (laughs) Hey, thank you. I literally called you. I don't know what time it is. Uh, I literally called you just like 45 minutes before we started this mug. So, um, but I knew we were circling this thing for, for years and months. Uh, I love you, Katie. You're one of my favorite people and in freedom, like you're a city on a hill and people are going to see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. You're the flavor, you're the salt. So I love it. And thank you for, uh, for coming on this mug. Thanks for talking to me. Miss ya. Miss you, pal. Ties with the spirits trying to play with me. Uh, uh, they finna go shoot. 
Can't stop till we make it to the moon It's too late, can't stop it, it's a boom No, I can't, I wait till you approve I got people with me on the other side Spirit on me too bright, I see they tryna ride Coming out for the night, yeah, it's that come alive Coming out for the fight, yeah, we stay alive They stay alive